I'd like to order a fun fact with extra fun. Fun fact. The center of our galaxy tastes of raspberries and mm. smells of rum. Mm, that's hmm, surprising. Surprising information. <laughs> I, if you'd asked me, does the center of our galaxy taste like raspberry and smell of rum? I would say I would have I would have thought no. I was surprised by this as well. Uh, I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Armand, who was the one who put me onto this. And I looked it up and it is like from 15 years ago. So somehow I missed this one. My fact radar was maybe not as attuned back then. To So like it's in the last 15 years that these smell and taste phenomena have begun. Like it had different smells and tastes. No, this was and- the discovery of this. Okay. It was 15 years ago. So apparently there is a giant dust cloud called Sagittarius B2, which is not a great name. This, so honest. this is like the dust cloud that's around the supermassive black hole? Yeah, it's the roughly the center of our Milky Way galaxy surrounding the supermassive black hole. Yeah. And I guess that uh, scientists were looking for whether or not there were any amino acids there. Oh, because that would maybe like a sign of life or something? That would be a sign of life or a sign of how life might have spread around the galaxy. Sure. Okay. That there were amino acids and then they sort of ended up in places. And the astronomers who were looking into this concluded that this giant dust cloud, Sagittarius B2, would taste vaguely of raspberries. And um, the article I found about this uh, described the discovery as unanticipated, which I appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh so uh the reason that it would that they know this is that apparently when they were looking for the amino acids which they did not at least at that time find what they did find in this uh giant dust cloud is something called ethyl formate which i don't remember if we talked about this when we were might have been one of our flavoring compounds artificial flavoring episodes Yeah. yeah but it is the chemical that is responsible for the flavor of raspberries oh and it's floating out there and it's floating out there. And additionally, uh, another fun fact about ethylformate is that it smells of rum. Ah, so, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so scientifically speaking, uh, e- this is the way it is. So it sounds delicious to me uh, and delightful. Like I, we got to do a field trip. Yeah, well, so yeah, so the, there's a catch there, though. So um, a, a Japanese tea company once made a space tea. okay. Which mixed both those flavors, which also sounds delightful, but it was both the flavors of ethylformate and ethylformate. No, both the flavors of raspberry and rum. Okay, uh, sure. But uh, it was only available in Japan, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, at any rate, yes, I also thought, well, we got to take a fun fact field trip. Yeah, get some of these delicious rum raspberries. But uh, there are some issues. So first of all, as the scientists point out in the article, it does take more than just ethylformate to make either raspberries or rum. Oh, so mm-hmm. they are it's only, you know, the flavor and the smell. It's not the actual thing. But also they discovered another chemical inside the giant dust cloud. Inside OK, Sagittarius, it's not just a is, cloud exclu- exclusively of raspberry dust. No, it's got a lot of stuff going on. And one of the things is called propyl cyanide, which um, sounds good. OK, tell me about that is one. super lethal, as you oh. might expect oh. from hmm. cyanide being in the name. Hmm. Hmm. So I think we're going to unfortunately we're going to have to pass on the. uh on the delicious raspberry rum situation, unless, you know, like the Princess Bride, we could spend the yes. next few years slowly developing. Getting a, more resistant. 
yeah, to it, form all cyanide. cocaine powder slash propyl cyanide. Propyl and, cyanide. Uh, and then we could we could go and we could get some and then we could play a trick on a Sicilian mm-hmm. and uh, rescue a princess. Because they wouldn't expect that, right? Like if you're in the center of the galaxy and you're mm-hmm. going around and then there's like a, a, a mischievous individual, <laughs> they would think, well, if they start yeah. eating this dust that's... Yeah, it must be know, harmless. Well, they might think it's harmless or they might know they might have done their research oh, they and they think, might think oh, this is... if we start eating this dust we're gonna yeah. die whereas we, gonna die. they don't know because you've been preparing because it takes a while to get there so you could probably prepare on the way like you probably wouldn't have to prepare before you leave because i, think I, I, I don't know how long it takes to get to the center of the galaxy but i would imagine a very very long time because we are not anywhere near the center of the galaxy we are quite uh in the suburbs really in the boonies apparently yeah it's about 27,000 light years. So that that's a long time. So let's say you could go like half the speed of light. The I I can. Yeah. Like I know I know you can't but just so the for the listeners to hear that would be like yeah. 50,000 years. So you would have a lot yeah. of time to get practice with the cyanide. I would be very excited for my raspberry room. So did in your in your research in your research did you do any assessment of like how like is how how concentrated is this? Is this like <laughs> you you put your tongue out and then like eventually like one particle lands out there, or is it like enough that you're out there and it actually looks? Does it look dusty when you're there, or only when we look at it from twenty seven thousand light years away? Uh, that is a good question. They at the time fifteen years ago they had they had only identified around 50 molecules in the 4,000 that they had uh, found from the uh, from the cloud. So it seems very dusty. There's probably a lot, of, at least there's a lot of variants. Although it does, I'm going to you know, raise a point of order that if there's thousands of chemicals and mm. raspberry and cyanide are just two of them, and mm. most of them haven't been identified, I think the, 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 the dust, like if you were just even... Maybe it's too sparse. You have to collect some in a little vial, and then you taste it like you know some of that pixie dust. I feel like raspberry might not be like the dominant flavor note. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, as I said, the article says that uh, that astronomers have concluded that it would taste vaguely of raspberries, or at least that, I... <laughs> that that two thousand of the dust. Yeah, I mean, it was found using the IRAM telescope in Spain. Okay, well, and, that's a pretty good telescope. Uh, it's a pretty good telescope, and you know, or is it a smelloscope? <laughs> the radiation from the nearby newborn, at least at that time, probably still newborn stars are pretty long and bore, being born. Uh, the radiation is absorbed by the molecules floating around in the gas cloud, which is then re-emitted at different energies depending on the type of molecules. Um, but the two molecules, I will say, both the uh, ethyl uh, formate. And the propyl cyanide are the largest that at that time had been discovered in deep space. Oh, interesting. So yeah. so in that center of the galaxy area where there's lots of action going on, stars forming, maybe yeah. there's maybe there's more interesting molecules going on than there's some stuff. There. There's some stuff going on. I haven't followed up to see if they've since found any amino We'll do a follow up. Tell us what other flavors they got going there. Yeah, exactly. But uh yeah, so yummy. So I also have a small things f- fact, not quite as small as molecules of raspberry flavor. Oh, okay. So like uh, slightly larger, like uh, like uh, like three molecules standing yes. in a trench coat. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually, I don't have offhand how many molecules are involved here, but maybe we can do a well, calculation. I thought so you got it, the memo, it's, but it's also kind of like an engineering or manufacturing fact, which I, I sort of enjoy. So, wait, are you saying my fact was an engineering no, or manufacturing? Okay, you're good. But you said also, you meant also, your fact my, is my additionally fact is. a, yes. not it is also like we are continuing the clear trend we have in this episode towards engineering and manufacturing fact. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe this is the trend starting now. <laughs> yes, but that's right. I, I came across this one, um, I came across some plastic sheeting that was specified in terms of, of what you're getting when you buy this, this sheeting. It was specified as thickness in terms of mil, like M-I-L. Not millimeters, okay, but mil, which is a unit I'd never heard of before. Um, is it not just short for millimeters? No, like that's M-M, but this is M-I-L, which is a different small unit and it made me wonder how that relates to the unit thou which i knew about because my dad was a machinist and he would specify if he was saying how thick something that was really thin is like oh like there's a little stack of paper or really fine grained something he would might say how many thou it was so i thought oh is it how does is that a lot smaller than a thou how does that if a mill and thou seem like they might relate to each other that led me to this fun fact okay in U.S. industrial parlance, a thou means a thousandth of an inch, a mill is a thousandth of an inch, and a point is a thousandth of an inch. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a thou is a thousandth mm-hmm. of an inch. A thousandth, a mill that's is where the, a thousandth. A thousandth. Of an inch. Uh-huh. And a point is a thousandth of an inch. Yes, yeah. So then depending on what size of the thing, you can pick the appropriate unit. So is this one of those times when three different, uh, uh, you know, mediums of development or something like that all came up with their own names for the same size, but then didn't like get together and pick one? Yeah, this is all like just to kind of in the run up to metric. And so um, as industrial processes were coming together uh, and needing to kind of the, for the first time start specify these small sizes, um, we were not yet all on the same page. A um, mill so, is a thousandth of an inch, a thousandth, of which an is inch. so close to being metric. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a metricized inch, is which is I found kind of fast. Yeah, because a thou is just a very hilarious way to say a thousandth. Yes, exactly. So before the 1850s, if you were doing some really precise engineering, um, which you were, yeah, back that was your job before software engineering, you were making tiny gears and things, you would recall that if you were going to refer to something uh, that was a really tight specification, uh, you might say, oh, this piece needs to be 132nd of an inch, or uh, these should be 364ths of an inch apart. That's the the gap in between these things. That's really small, but you would they would go the have the fractions right. It would be in quarters of an inch to a thirty second of an inch. That's what you still use in woodworking. Yeah, right. And so, well, I mean, not not I, but you do. Right? It's what I still use in woodworking. <laughs> so crazy people use in woodworking. Although right? generally so, speaking, sixteenth of an inch, thirty second of an inch is about as small as you get. Yes, uh, in wood, and then in yeah. in metal, you might get to sixty fourth of an inch. But um, that sixty fourth of an inch in the eighteen fifties was the smallest that an engineer would ever specify anything. That was the smallest unit that they would measure or specify. And and if you want, needed something to be machined or manufactured with a tolerance more precise than a sixty fourth of an inch, then they would just do that by feel. Like they would say, "Oh, take this part and like sand, grind it down or sand it down or or machine it in such a way that these two pieces fit together or turn." Oh, they didn't measure it they were just like ah it seems right well 
they, it wasn't just seems right. They it was like had to be gotten right by hand by a craftsperson, like very very finely tweaking. I would imagine that if you were to look at one of those crafted pieces now. That they would not be of uniform thickness. No, they would be different from one another. But they would they would sort of use inspection and iteration yeah, to make each work. one work. Make it work. Yeah, yeah. Um, which of course is incredibly expensive and labor intensive and not prone to be able to industrialize. And so, uh, it, apparently, it took uh, an English inventor, Joseph Whitworth, to propose the wild idea that engineers should perhaps divide their measurements not into uh, fractions, uh, but in decimals. Uh, specifying instead of the 64ths of an inch that they should specify a thing in tenths of an inch, hundredths of an inch, or thousandths of an inch. It's getting um, very close to metric. Right I know it's dangerously, it feels a little metricy, but I think this is this was before <laughs> it was before the national identity of uh, anti-metricization had had come about, <laughs> and it was during an era where um, there was increased uh, need and interest and demand for this sort of precision uh, in manufacturing, and so that started to become the standard way that uh, very, uh, you know finely uh, machined or. Uh, diagrams and and uh, instructions that require very finely machined tools and and tolerances and things like that they would be specified in thousands of an inch yeah and just to give people an idea of what we're talking about a credit card or in the bay area clipper transit card is generally speaking roughly three thousandth of an inch or three mil depending who you're yeah. talking to or if you're talking point to, yes or three thou if i'm talking to your father Yes. So in that time, uh, the term mill uh, was one of the common ways, mill being from the French thousand and then so thousands of an inch. But that's mostly common in favor in almost all usages. Even in the States, it's not used very often. Except for this plastic sheeting. Except for this plastic sheeting for some reason that I did not get into the bottom of why in particular plastic sheeting. This is once again an example of Canada just not making up its mind on which measurement system it wants to use because you, you use metric kind of. Yeah, so we could get into that, but I'll finish up with this thing about uh, uh, mill. So mill, maybe just to be make the obvious things explicit, that increasingly mill is not used uh, even when you want to refer to thousands of an inch because it's confusing with millimeter, which you encountered even in American system, right? It's you say this many mill, like especially in Canada, but even I in assumed a, I said I mean, it in the a beginning. U.S. Yeah, like if you're in an American industrial context and they say mill, I think they would most of the time expect that to be millimeters and then that if they want that of an inch um but there are a few handful of things that could specify a mill but i mentioned points which is a thousandth of an inch so right, card right. Stock, that's a thousandth of an inch cardstock even in canada is measured this way um may, maybe not in europe but you if you say uh, how many point you'll you'll see like uh you know seven point cardstock or whatever or three point cardstock or whatever that's thousands of an inch for the cardstock um and uh and they do that for reasons <laughs> by the way did, <laughs> did you happen and i did so if you didn't i have this information to hand as they say mm-hmm. uh did you look up what a mill is in millimeters um <laughs> no i did not how many millimeters is is a mil a mil <laughs> 0.0254 okay well now Therefore, we know well not a mil <laughs> i did uh though look up the reason why a point a card stock why, is a point why cards are using points that's it's because it's shortening from thou point 
which apparently oh my goodness. the original pro- pro- proposition was that you should measure things in thou points. And some people started abbreviating that to thou, and some people started abbreviating it to point. And so you have some industries using thou and some industries using point, both mean to a thousandth of an inch. And but thou points and points in terms of how thick the cardstock is, is different than a typographical point. Yeah, that's what I... Because you say, like, oh, you're, this is, like, Times New Roman 14 yeah, yeah, yeah. point. Yeah, like, when you first said it, it's like, yeah. Or or a font point or also points on a screen, which I think are yes. just the same. Um, a typographical point is, of course, as we all know, equivalent to 13.3 repeating thou points. Yeah, see, this is what you did the same thing I did. So a point is not a point, and a mill, <laughs> and a mill is, is not, not a, a mill. mill. But a thou is a thou, and a mill is a, a thou. thou. A thou is always a thou, and a point is clearly a, a thou. Point is a mill, yeah, and a mill and, is a thou, yeah, uh, yeah, and but metric is you know bad for reasons. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man! Fun fact: there is something wrong with rental cars in Germany. <laughs> This sounds very specific. Yeah. It's a very specific fact, Ark. These facts are facts, and they, but they are, they are a different kind of fun fact that we normally do. These are personal fun facts, and neither the, of them were very fun. This t- number of times I've heard from you something about rental cars in Germany that I didn't feel like could be true, and yet was, is has been very high. The rental cars in Germany. There's something going on here. There's something wrong with the rental cars. Yeah. So I have been going to Germany at least once a year for the last many years. But for the last like three or four years, I have just had one weird, bad rental car experience after another. And with multiple, with every company, right? I keep changing. It's a little bit like a thing I hadn't asked yet, but I was like, I was going to interrogate you about the companies. Right. No, I've tried. I've tried three or four different companies, American companies, German companies, like trying to figure out if it's, you know, something like that. So the first sign of of problems was, and maybe this is slightly understandable, but this was like in 2020, 2021, which you may remember, we sort of fled to Germany. And in one period of time, we were there for like five, six months. So it is a long time, but we kept having to swap cars out. Like the car rental companies kept calling us and being like, you need to give back the car and take another one. Which is not a thing that I'm familiar with. No, usually like you a rent a car for con- some you say, period This is the of amount time. of time and they'll be like, all right. And then you bring it back when the time is done. Yeah. I didn't know there was even a thing that they could be like, hey, you need to bring the car back. Yeah. So we had kept having to get new cars. Super annoying. And then last time we went, we, we, uh, we rented a car and like, so we rent the cars in Frankfurt, which is where their part is nowhere near where we're staying yeah it's like multiple hours away from where we're going uh no matter where we're going it's just like we're never really around frankfurt so last time we rent the car in frankfurt and then about halfway through the trip it was a five-week trip they tell us that oh the well what happened was so we we rented one type of car and we got there to the airport and they said oh we don't have your car because it was in an accident yesterday which is a thing that could happen that's the kind of thing that I would expect to happen in right. America. They don't have a replacement for that car, so they're like, okay, well, we'll just graciously upgrade you to a quote-unquote nicer car, which yeah. might have been nicer, but we specifically have very you know specific needs in terms of space. So it was not as big a car, and it was quite actually a little bit stressful, but it was a nice car. So we get that car. We're driving around, and I guess I don't know if the person who rented to us just didn't check carefully, but at some point along the way, they send us a thing that's like, 
uh, and it's 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 worded in a really funny way. I I don't know if they like directly translated it with like Google Translate, but it was like the time of your car in our company is coming to an end. <laughs> so we need you to give back the car at now. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? They're like, yeah, you need to come to Frankfurt and give back the car. And I'm like, like I'm not I'm in Frankfurt, not near Frankfurt. I'm not driving. I'm not spending my vacation driving multiple hours away so I can bring back your car because you like leased it or sold it or whatever the hell you did. And now the, you don't own the car anymore and you want it back. Like you rented me a car for a certain amount of time. It seems like a you problem, rental company. Exactly. So that was like this whole back and forth, multiple phone calls, multiple things. Uh, then they extended the rental. They're like a fine. You can keep it because they couldn't figure out another thing to do. But then tried to charge us for that. It's just like a whole mess. So that was like, okay, I'm never using that company again. Right. So and then this time I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an American company. Mm hmm. Because I know. Because maybe like. there's just some weird thing about German rental car companies. Yeah, I don't know. Sir, public like service in Germany in general is not the same as in the U.S. Like, there's the U.S. I think has a specific customer is always bright mentality that not everywhere in the world necessarily shares. Whereas a stereotype might indicate that a German might hear, "Oh, the rule is I need to bring it back." Okay, I'll bring it back. Whereas if the American is more likely to be like, F you, I'm not bringing that car back. Well, I think the big difference, and you'll see it most in this final story, is that I just don't see any scenario under which uh, if an American is willing to try hard enough that the company won't do what they need them to do. Mm. Right? Like, you will get mm. a car or you will get it figured out. Yeah, like, yeah. You it just will have be to be pain. annoying enough. Yeah. yeah, but it will work out. So this time we rent a, a VW Passat. And I say that only because... Man, is it nice to have family station wagons and you and I ah, are yes. both on this team of like, why don't we have family station wagons in North America? Uh, and it's very frustrating. And the Passat is just a nice car. It's just a nice family car. You know, I wish that there were more. I would have I would have a wagon. Here. Right. Yeah, me too. They're delightful. So we rent this wagon and I'm loving it and it's great. And I'm actually doing more driving than expected because everyone else has COVID. And so I'm yeah. driving around like to get things and get my son a nap and this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, uh, check engine light comes on hmm. and there's some other problem. And there's like three problems with the car and they all essentially, from what I could tell, cause everything's in German. It mean that, um, um, the, there's some software or something's not quite happy. And now I can't really drive the car faster than a hundred kilometers an hour. Okay. I mean, like if that was the only problem and it wasn't going to get worse, I'd be like, okay, well, I guess this is annoying, but I'm not going to drive all the way to Frankfurt just for that. Well, first of all, no, but also I can't really drive to Frankfurt just for that because it would take me about five hours Right. because you're not in that situation legally allowed to drive on the Autobahn. You have to drive on what German in Germany are called Landstrasse, which have a maximum speed limit of a hundred miles an hour, a hundred kilometers <laughs> an hour. Sorry. So, right. and those are like through every village street. Right. Right. So it, that's what we're driving on. We're just driving on those because – and the other thing is you don't know why is the check engine light on. Well, yeah, is right? it some beginning of the end e for Exactly. This it, it can be some weird software problem where they just need to reset the software. But it can also mean that at any moment the car is going to die, right? So uh, – but also, yeah, like I'm not driving 10 hours to re return the car to Frankfurt. So we call the rental car company and they're like, yeah, uh, no, we don't want you to keep – drive it you know we don't want you to drive it on the highway and stuff like that uh it's no problem just go to any enterprise near where you are and they'll give you another car we're like great no problem 
So we we go I go to the enterprise in the city we're in and uh they're like, "Oh, um yeah, we don't have any cars." And I'm like, "What are you, what's up with that?" They're like, "Yeah, you're the third person this week with this similar problem where you need to trade the car and now we don't have any cars left." Okay. Okay, that's uh odd. Uh, they're like, we do have, we could give you a car, but the only car we have is a Corsa, which is not a car that exists in the U.S., but is like two size classes smaller than a Passat. Sure. And we have, you know, two kids, kids worth stuff. of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that's obviously not going to work. And so then they, they're they like, okay, well, we'll call around, which is what you would expect. Yeah. And they call all the other rental places and in the in their immediate area, and they can't, they, none of them have any cars for us either. Or at least they say they don't. Or at least they say they don't. And then they say, uh, yeah, sorry, we can't find a car. I'm like, okay, well, what is it you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, here, here's the phone numbers for more rental car companies, uh, more of our, you know. More enterprises that are more like further away from us. A little bit farther away. You could call them and see what they have. Right. So this is not my problem. At this point, I'm just like, okay, I don't want to deal with this. Right. Like I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend all my time trying to sort out their car problem. And um, my wife's uncle is willing to drive us to Frankfurt. So I'm like, okay, we'll just drop the car off here. We'll keep it. We'll drive it on the, mm, you know, the slow streets. Right. We'll drop it off here and he'll take us back. Right. Right. So I'm like, okay, we're going to do that. So then I tell that to my brother-in-law and he says, no, 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 absolutely not. So he calls the office back. And they say to him, oh, okay, uh, well, yeah, you should go to this other city, Dusseldorf, which is t- on a fast road 25 minutes from where we are on a slow road that we had to go on about 40 minutes from where we are. But reasonable. That's not five hours, right? Um, go there to the airport. They have tons of cars. You don't even need to call them. They have them. Your size bigger. <laughs> no problem. Uh-huh. Okay. So some foreshadowing there. Yeah. The, uh, you don't need to call them. The fact that you said that is a problem. <laughs> It's a, it's a signal of a problem. Some, yeah, some, I'm shadowing some fours. And so it's like, okay, fine. That's great. Because then my un- uncle doesn't have to drive to Frankfurt, yes. which is, you know, convenient, inconvenient for him. So we'll go do that. So my brother-in-law and I, we, we go to the Dusseldorf airport and we get there and the guy is like, oh yeah, I don't have any cars for you. Like they're, they're all rented. Like, what, what do you want from me? And I, and at this point, I, even I, I am very from Seattle, uh, and I don't like to ever complain about anything. To I don't like to ever make service people's problem. Like I'm just mm. like, okay, I guess this is my problem somehow, yeah. even though it's not. I'm apologizing to them, you know, for not finding me a car. But uh, but now I'm like I'm actually kind of at my end, and my brother in law is also being pretty firm with them. And I'm just like, what do you want me to do? Like, how do you want me to return your car? Like, yeah. What? And he's like, yeah, I, I should mention all the, by the way, that all of this is happening in German. Uh, but he's just like, well, well, yeah, I'm sorry. It sucks. But like, it's not my problem, basically. Uh, I, you know, I even asked my boss and it's not my problem. You didn't rent the car here. So I, there's nothing I really need to do for you. And I don't have any cars. What do you want me to do? I can't give you a car I don't have. Like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, well, can you bring a car to my house? He's like, no, we don't do that. And I'm, he's like, you could wait around. A car might show up like no and then he's like you could you need to call so he says to us you need to call back to the central office and i'm like no you need to call back to the central office why am i calling like this is your company and he's like no you got to do it i'm not doing it and i'm like 
Okay. So I go into the to the car. It's quite cold out. It's, you know, winter in Germany. And we're essentially outside. And I am calling my wife and telling her, like, this has turned into, like, a like a, a dark comedy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> this is, like, I'm in, like, a the, the hangover or something like that. And uh, and my brother-in-law calls back to the office. So he's it, he enjoys this kind of thing. I mm-hmm. do not enjoy this kind of thing, mm-hmm. but he really does. So he calls back to the office, and they tell him, wait, what? What's going on? Oh, okay. Um, You know what? We're just going to rent you a car from Dusseldorf to Frankfurt, and we'll pay for it. And it's like, okay. they But they said they don't have any cars, but that would be great. Thank you. And the guy's like, yeah, uh, hand the phone to that guy. <laughs> so my brother-in-law hands his phone to this guy, and then the guy in Dusseldorf and the guy in Frankfurt start arguing with each other on the phone. <laughs> on, on your brother-in-law's phone. On my brother-in-law's phone. Because the guy in Dusseldorf is like, you can't do this. This is not a way to run a company. You can't just <laughs> rent one of our cars. You can't take it without asking us. Like, we have all these rentals. Like, what are you doing? Like, Which is a they- signal to you that, that he really didn't have a car. He wasn't just like stonewalling and be like i'd rather rent the car to someone else who will well, pay more he actually he he like he he wasn't just <laughs> i well, well, i don't know we'll find out <laughs> it would it would be a signal of that except <laughs> so then the guy in dusseldorf says you know what i'm gonna give him our most expensive car and you can pay for it and hangs up the phone and suddenly as if magically there's a car for us oh interesting so what so what the argument was all under the assumption, I don't have a car of your price range. But then finally, the guy got so mad, this like, fine, I'm going to give him a car that I was pretending didn't exist, but it's actually very expensive and I'm not supposed to be giving as a swap car. And I'm going to charge you the other enterprise employee that I'm mad at. Yeah, <laughs> basically. So then okay. he brings us to a, so we had, again, we had rented a VW Passat diesel, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. interesting. And then suddenly he has a electric Mercedes EQB for us. <laughs> <laughs> that has now just appeared because someone else at Enterprise made him angry enough that he's like, I'm going to violate policy and charge you yeah, the money Yeah, I'm going to give him this, you know, absurdly expensive car. That, that didn't exist five minutes ago. That and didn't has exist now five minutes ago. And I'm going to tell him, because he mentioned it four or five times, you should return it empty. It's That's how you do this. Which... I don't think is true. I just think he wanted them to have to pay to charge yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so suddenly he has this car. So then, so then I'm like, okay, that's great. Now I have a car. But he didn't actually check with me whether or not I wanted an electric car. Sure. And I love electric cars, as you know. We are both owners of electric cars. But like, do you have a charger where you're staying? But I have no idea how to charge this car. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what the public charging infrastructure looks like in Germany. Uh-huh. I, I will say that over the last few years, uh, there has been a massive change in sort of cars in general in Germany. Uh, you know, three, four years ago when I first started regularly renting cars, um, it was hard to get an automatic. Like, mm. it was like really difficult. Actually, that was part of our problem in 2020 when we had to switch cars all the time is that it would be very hard for them to find us an automatic. And I don't really, I can drive stick, but I don't really drive stick. And so, um, it was always just a huge pain. And in the years since then, I just keep seeing more electric cars on the road. And it just like, and, and also more automatic cars on the road. Even my brother-in-law, who's like the most German driver's driver now has a, an automatic car. And uh, so I've seen that, that shift and also 
every year I've just noticed there's more and more electric cars. So I was quite curious and I've been thinking for a while, like, man, I'd with all the car problems I'm having, you know, I would love to rent an electric car because they just have less problems, right? Like they don't have as much moving parts and stuff like that. So I, we get this car, which by the way, surprisingly, I have some thoughts on this car. First of all, uh, it's surprisingly incredible trunk space, even with no front trunk, which I always find really weird when they don't put a front trunk on electric cars. My my Ionic Five barely has a front trunk. It's like, why did they bother lease spawn? Does it fit the charging cables? Yeah, but like that's but that's helpful because I had the charging cables were in the back trunk, and I'm like, well, great, I have a lot of stuff I need to put in here. But the other thing about this car, and this is true of all the electric Mercedes that I've seen, but I'd never driven one before. I don't know what they're doing at Mercedes. They seem to think that what I want when I'm driving my electric car down the road is to also simultaneously be in a disco. (laughs) <laughs> or that maybe all of their customers are hardcore Windows PC gamers. Because there's RGB lighting on everything. There's RGB lighting on everything. And you can change the theme and you can change like the color of the lighting. Like it's really like like a, a you know, like a, a mechanical keyboard or like a, you know, Windows PC gaming rig. It's really ridiculous and I don't understand it at all. And I all overall I, I don't I didn't love the car. But it was, you know, it was a car, it worked and it was electric and that was cool. But then I had to figure out like what is the charging infrastructure like mm-hmm. in Germany, right, for public? So I start doing some some research because I'm like, okay, we, we're going to need – I think one full charge will get us to, to Frankfurt because all we're basically going to do with this car is like drive it for a couple of days around town and then drive it to the airport. Sure. Um, and the airport drive is fairly far. It's like, you know, maybe 200-something kilometers, but the car goes 300-something kilometers. So it should be fine. We just charge it all the way once. should be good. And uh, so I'm looking into like public charging infrastructure – and my initial read was, oh, no, because uh, there are a lot of chargers, but it seemed like uh, there were like maybe five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten different like charging networks. Oh, and, and you need like ten different apps now. And Well, no, it's worse than that. I don't know if you remember what it was like. You didn't have an electric car as early as I did. So in, in 2018, when I got my first electric car... There were a few big charging, public charging networks in the U.S. There was obviously the superchargers. But if you were doing like non-Tesla charging, there was the two big ones in California, at least, were ChargePoint and EVgo. And in yeah. both of those cases, you had to have an RFID card. Oh, like from them? From them. Uh, Once you had no. that, you could That they charge, would like but... mail you to a physical address. Exactly. Blah. So I'm like, I'm going to be charging this car like tomorrow the next day, I forget how many, maybe it was the next day. Like, I don't, I'm not going to be able to get an RFID card. And which one would I get? There's like 10, right? Uh, and then I saw that maybe there were apps that could pretend to be the RFID card. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just be doing that. But luckily, I then saw, because, you know, one of the things that I found when you're doing this, especially with something that's changing as quickly as this, it's similar actually when we were looking up stuff about COVID, like how long are you? positive for and things like that is that the date of the articles it really matters a lot because they're it's just changing very quickly mm-hmm. so you're like you're doing the search on kagi or wherever yeah and then like was this was true but is it still true it, is it still true and i look up uh I, I find this article that says that as of july of this past year germany actually passed a law that required you to be able to pay with credit cards at any uh at any new station oh but didn't require them to back, you know, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Didn't require them to update the old stations. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'll just drive to one. And if it doesn't have that, I'll just drive to another one. Because I looked on, because then I'm also like, well, how do you even find them? Because in the U.S., I know, you know, 
had a, like the car knows or whatever, like that this car didn't seem to know. Then I find out that PlugShare is the big app there, and I look, and there's apparently 15,000 fast chargers in Germany, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Especially for only a few years. And one of them is at the grocery store right by where I am, and I go there, and they take credit cards, and I just I pay 15 euros and charge my car and fully charge it. And it's great. And I'm like, oh, okay. my God, electric charging infrastructure in Germany is awesome. And now I kind of just want to rent electric cars when I go there. But at any rate, we uh, we charged it up and we uh, we drove to the airport. And when we returned the car to the airport in Frankfurt, where we had rented it from, the guy who we returned it from at first is like, um, why is this not your name? <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just I'm just telling him the story and he's like aghast and he's like he's the only sort of good service person in this mm. whole story and he's just like oh my goodness he's like I am so sorry um and then he immediately takes off like a, a multiple days off the cost and oh, nice. all this other stuff and 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 all this stuff so the the story ends well it has a happy ending but I just don't understand what's going on with card rentals in germany it's like every single time we have not had a problem free rental and i've never had that experience renting car the only other thing like that i've ever had is that when when my wife and i went to croatia uh we we rented a car that was kind of suspiciously cheap Hmm. and when we went to the place that the car rental company was at it didn't exist <laughs> I feel like that's. I, feel like, I don't know if that's a, a problem with car rental companies as much as like you just got scammed. Yeah. Luckily, it was so cheap that it wasn't really that upsetting. And we just booked another one at a nearby. There was actually. That's a, car a bit of a hint nearby. that the price was too cheap. If you're like, eh, it yeah. was, I'm not even fussed that the money is gone now. Yeah. But so I don't know. Very wild. Yeah. Germany, get your car rental situation sorted yeah. out. Jeez. Be more like Croatia. (laughs) But also, you know, it was fun to drive this ridiculous disco mobile. Nice.